Hello and welcome to another episode of Podpit, the podcast about podcasts, and I'm your host, George Grimwood. This week, I talk via Skype with Janie Haddad Tompkins, actress, voiceover artist and podcast host of Janie and Aaron Does Hollywood, in which Janie and her friend Aaron Ginsberg discuss living in Hollywood as an actress and TV writer respectively. We discuss Los Angeles, London, our favourite podcasts, and of course, Janie and Aaron Does Hollywood. And as we recorded our chat in early December, we began the conversation by discussing the trials and tribulations leading up to Christmas. Things are crazy at the end of the year. I feel like everyone is trying to get stuff done before the holidays. Because basically Los Angeles shuts down right before Christmas for like two, a good solid two weeks. Okay. Yeah, because a lot of people who work here in the industry, they don't live here. Or they're not from here, I'm sorry. They live here, but they're not from here. Mm. And so everyone travels to their homes, you know, for the holidays. So it just ends up being a lot of traffic outside of Los Angeles because everyone's leaving. Yeah, exactly. If you stayed here for the holidays, you can get anywhere really fast because there's no traffic. (laughs) Brilliant. And we actually stayed here for Thanksgiving at the last minute, and it was really nice and quiet. Yeah. How was Thanksgiving? It was really good. I mean, we just stayed in our neighborhood. We had some friends who moved around the corner from us and they hosted us among some other people. And I baked a pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. Um, I made green beans and then I did a corn pudding casserole and I brought it all over. Oh, we never get any of this over here. It's insane. You don't? <laughs> no. There's like a few restaurants that do it in London, and I can never get anyone in the Thanksgiving spirit, bizarrely. <laughs> <laughs> you need you need some American friends to push it on you. Yes, definitely. Well, or I need to be out. I need to be out in America for Thanksgiving at some point. That's exactly right. You should just come here for Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, I mean, it's my eventual plan is to live out there somewhere. Um, oh, in Los Angeles. Um, it's the thing is I don't drive, so it's it's up for debate. If it, if it was one of those things where I was um, settled in, um, yeah, then I think I would definitely bite the bullet and learn to drive. And yeah, because I've always been kind of reluctant to, unless I was because I was thought, oh, I, you know, I live in London, and you know, you can walk everywhere or get the train everywhere. But um, it's not the same with Los Angeles. I definitely have to. No, you kind of have to drive here. Yeah, I mean, it is. Um, although you don't you don't come from Los Angeles originally, is that right? Correct. I'm from South Carolina. And um, was this the was this one of the first times that you you didn't sort of go over to the family for Thanksgiving, or did you uh, like since you moved to Los Angeles? Or I married a man from Philadelphia, and so for a few years in a row, we would go to Philadelphia mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving, and then go to South Carolina for um, Christmas. And then it just got to be so stressful to travel on Thanksgiving. Um, that we, a couple years in a row, we stayed behind. And so after we got a taste of what it was like to not travel on Thanksgiving, we sort of started staying here instead and seeing his family in Philadelphia at other times of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm geographically challenged, but I'm guessing Philadelphia is potentially nearer. Um, is, is that right? Is it from Los Angeles to get to? Um, well, it's sort of like if you were to fly to New York. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. So, it's kind of like on the other side, right? On the East Coast, but it's not on the coast exactly. You can get to New York on like a three-hour or four-hour train ride from Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. 
This is, these are all things I need to take note of when I um, my ultimate plan of becoming a a billionaire. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and South Carolina is far too. It's on the other side. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, we're talking three thousand miles, no matter what. I've, either way, it sounds like it's a stress over holiday over the holiday period. It's like a five to eight hour airplane situation. Yeah. Because there are no direct flights to South Carolina, but there are to Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I my my plan is eventually to um yeah just win the lottery and have a uh, a roof and a bed in every U.S. state and just. <laughs> Become a legitimate well, then you will definitely have to learn to drive because then you'll want to drive from state to state. Oh, no, I'm going to become a legitimate drifter and just have like 50 keys around my neck, just sort of walking from <laughs> place to place. That's, that's, the, that's the dream. But I suppose I should ask the first official question is, um, to, you, to you personally, what is a podcast? Um, okay, so wait, are, this is like, the, these are the same questions that you ask the other guests? Um, yeah, so I've asked, uh, the interesting thing is every, t- every person I've asked has always had a different answer, which I think reflects how podcasting is still... Um, Evolving. Yeah, it's, it's, situation. A very, it's a very liquid, yeah. Okay, so what, so to me personally, what is a podcast? Yeah. It would be an audio program. Mm-hmm. That is self-produced, although that's not even true anymore because I guess places – an audio program self-produced like sort of like um, what um, cable access channels are to cable. It's sort of like that to radio. Mm. And um, in that respect, because it's a constantly evolving – thing when did you first become aware of podcasting as a as a a medium of well i suppose a creative medium gosh when was the first time it must have been uh like in 2007 Mm -hmm. does that sound right yeah well i i think i think it was i think it's definitely been about 10 years maximum I'd say that okay. it's going. I would say I was aware of them as a as a medium in around 2007 because I think I'm pretty tech savvy. Mm-hmm. I always like gadgets and things and technology, the internet, you know, all that stuff. And um, I think I remember when um, iPods were invented. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds funny, but um, I I, th- I got one for Christmas. I think it was the year that iPods came out. Mm. Was that year I got one for Christmas, and that was like I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. And still, that are. must have been like two thousand and three. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I mean, they still are as well because they're ever evolving as well. I suppose. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's the medium and the. And the actual constructs that that sort of brings it into the into the fray as well. I mean, now I'm, I I I'm, I use everything through my smartphone. I mean, that's like I use it more than my computer now. <laughs> yeah, and do do you find that? Uh, I mean, I suppose beneficial as well when you're commuting and you're able to listen on the move as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, is it, was, was there any particular podcast that that um, you became aware of that you sort of instantly got hooked in? You press the subscribe button. Well, I've always been kind of a news junkie. So when I was at the height of my podcast 
listening and discovering, um, I used to listen to left, right and center all the time, Mm -hmm. which is a political podcast here in, in the United States that, um, presents like the topics of the week with someone who's to the left of the politics, to the right of the politics and right down the middle. So that would have been like one that I was consuming like on a regular basis. Did that inspire you to to venture out to other other types of podcasts, or did you kind of uh, because you're hooked into the news? Did you find yourself listening to different variations of of pod, news podcasts, like different? Ad- yeah, I definitely did because then I would find out like other people who listen to that one would be like, oh, have you heard you know like the Slate podcast on blah blah blah, you know? And so like I would sort of pick up things here and there from other people which ones to listen to and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, because I listen to a lot of um, public radio, Mm -hmm. almost everything now is completely consumable in podcast form on public radio. So it's like, you don't have to necessarily be in uh, in front of your radio at the exact same time. You can do the, you can listen to um, other programs like after the fact. And so a lot of times I, like if I went on a long flight or something, I would download a bunch of, um, it's a program called fresh air mm. and, uh, it's a, basically an interview program. <laughs> it's like, do you know who Mark Marin is? He's the comedian podcaster. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, like fresh air was like the original Mark Marin. <laughs> oh, okay. And is, is that, um, I, I, I think I know the name of the guy who hosts it and I'm, I'm going to, it's a lady. Oh, I definitely know, don't know the name of the guy who hosts. Her name, her name is Terry Gross. <laughs> ah, you see, I, I, Terry Gross is in my in my mind, but I thought because I haven't heard it, I instantly. Well, Terry assumed... is a name that a guy can have and a girl can have, so maybe that's why. <laughs> and it's with a Y as well, which is, I think, which is why. Yeah. 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 So anyway, <laughs> she was like the original Mark Maron interviewer person. Okay. Same and style. she's definitely worth listening to. Like it's um, one of my favorite shows that I particularly love when she interviews entertainment people. Yeah. Because that's sort of the industry I'm in and I want to hear, you know, <laughs> is it, is it the same style as Marin as well? The same, you know, I'm not really totally sure because I've only heard the Marin podcast one time, mm-hmm. but I think it is in that it's a long form interview Yeah. with one person. So it just gets like kind of in depth. Hmm. Presumably not, not presumably not as aggressive as Marin. In, in... She's not really aggressive. She's just more curious, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose Marin isn't too aggressive, but sometimes when I have listened, is he's, he's got a certain uh, style, which um, I, I suppose obviously goes with the cat with the um, with the different. Depending on depends on the uh, guest, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. Is is there any particular? Um, if if someone if you're going to introduce the show to someone who hadn't heard it, which was there a, th- there a particular episode that you would that you'd recommend? Well, the one I was thinking of the most when we were talking about entertainment is there's a particular episode where do you know who Gene Simmons is? He was this American rock star with the band Kiss, where they wear all the makeup, like kind of big in the seventies. A terrifying man, I hear. Yeah, he's like sort of like a hair band guy Mm. um and there's an amazing interview with him where basically i think if i'm remembering this exactly like he he like leaves in the interview yeah because she sort of like challenges him on his disgusting viewpoints (laughs) wow uh 
Yeah. I mean, if I'm remembering, I just remember it was like an epic one. <laughs> they're, the, they're the best ones, though. I mean, sometimes there are some amazingly awkward episodes of certain podcasts. There's another episode that's really useful and it's not as exciting, but there was this bad bed bug epidemic in New York in, um, in the past couple of years. Hmm. And um, like basically it was making me scared to stay in hotels or go anywhere or get by anything from thrift stores because they were like, you can get bed bugs by like going to the movie theater and sitting on, you know, movie theater seat and carrying them home. And apparently bed bugs are like the worst thing to try to get rid of. Yeah. They're like really nasty. And so she had a bed bug expert on, um, talking about it. I think I've listened to that episode twice because I've been scared that I'm going to get bed bugs and I want to be prepared if I get them. (laughs) Well, I, if in doubt, um, full disclosure, I, I have worked in, pest control um, really yeah in the administerial side but you learn a lot sort of just taking the reports and stuff so are bed bugs an issue in england only it would only seem in locations where there is a lot of neglect um okay usually by the, by certain councils um who don't look after their residents properly or residents who can't look after themselves and subsequently the people who are sent to look after them don't look after them properly so it's a bit of a yeah a bit, i mean it's i mean some of the stuff we get is is quite spectacular we, we used to get a lot of cockroach cases i, I sometimes um, go back there for christmas to do a ministerial work so okay uh, so i'm going back there uh i think next week actually oh god but it's scary um oh yeah because christmas is coming up <laughs> yeah and all the mice come indoors so um, oh my gosh <laughs> yeah a lot of scratchings in lofts and things like that okay well full disclosure i'm terrified of bugs like any bugs or spiders well i i i can i can give you some assurance on this um obviously it's a little bit different in the states i suppose in terms of different types as well but i never had i had never seen a cockroach in <gasps> person until I went to Los Angeles. <laughs> you are so lucky. <laughs> did you, did you, were you horrified? Um, I, I felt a little bit itchy. Like I felt a bit, I felt like, um, like I, like my skin was crawling. Like when I was walking back to the hotel, like after I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Sunset Boulevard, like coming up to midnight. And it's, and it's, it really weirds me out how empty it is when you're walking down there. At, like, and, but I mean, it, it doesn't feel like there's, doesn't feel any menace. It doesn't feel scary or anything. There's no mm-hmm. threat. I mean, I suppose because it's a more of a tourist area as well, I guess. It depends on where you are on sunset. It is, it's 22 miles long. It certainly felt that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As you were walking, because you don't drive. Oh, no. yeah. We, I mean, that's the best thing, though, is that we can go there um, and have these huge meals, and then we would just walk it off straight away. It was fantastic. Um, so, I mean, I, we were staying, uh, my friend um, Jonathan and I, we were staying at, where are we staying? The Dunes Inn um, on Sunset Boulevard, which is right by the home... I want to say the Home Depot, um, by the like kind of the crossover on the freeway. Oh, by the 101. Yeah, that, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, um, it, and so we're kind. Would of... you have been like between maybe? Does the Street Western sound familiar between Western and Vine? We were at the Little Armenia end. I think that's the best. Oh, okay, yeah, I know exactly where you were. Yeah. Um... Did you eat uh, Thai food? Because you're near a Thai town. I'm. I re- well. Um, not only did we not eat Thai food, we didn't even go to the Mai Thai place, the um, the t- or the Tiki Tea place. Uh, I- oh, Tiki Tea. <laughs> 
I really wanted to go there. Um, I think there's only six seats there. Really? Yeah, oh. it's like a tiny little hut. Wow. I, I, I'm going to have to go there before they, they cut costs and just it's just one chair and a guy. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's why they can afford their rent, because they're not very big. Yeah, well, that's that. I mean, I suppose that's... Uh, and it makes it more exclusive, I suppose, because people have to queue. To, for yeah, seating. exactly. Yeah, there's a couple of restaurants like that in, in, in London, um, sort of with 30 seats only, and but the food's really good. So it's sort of, you know, no, come back in. I think I visited London for the very first time and only time in 2013. Mm-hmm. And I think I was at one of those restaurants. <laughs> Pit Q Barbecue, does that ring a bell? Um, no, it was... Um, it was a tapas place, and it was in Soho, near the Soho Theatre. Uh, yes, and that's that's where we met as well. Yeah, at the Soho Theatre, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, and, uh, it's, I mean, it's nice around there. There's lots of places to go, um, for sure. And, I mean, if, if, you, if you return to Soho or London, um, you've got to check out, if you like pizza, Pizza Pilgrims. Um, okay. Which is around the corner from there, and they're amazing. I'm dying to go back to London. I loved it. It's it's good fun. Um, I, there are still places I'm still discovering. Um, it's so much bigger than I thought it was. Well, I, I that's the thing. I, I the different main difference, like culturally, between I'd say London and Los Angeles, is that the reason everyone drives in Los Angeles is because they all know where they're going. <laughs> if that makes sense, and right. and because it's more spread out. But there's so many places to check out and so many places to visit. And I've had people who have had amazing times then planning everything out. And then people who haven't planned anything out, they've been um, at a loose end and kind of complained about it. Uh-huh. And I've always said to them, well, you've got to plan it out. Whereas with London, I suppose, because everything you're walking everywhere, it's, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, it's all a bit more visual, I suppose. Yeah, it is. Um, were, were there any particular places that you didn't, that you wanted to visit, but didn't get around to that you'd visit next time? Um, we went to this one place, but we went on a Sunday and it was not as, um, open. It was like this open air farmer's market mm. area. Do you know what I'm talking about? Was, was it, um, Borough Market? Does that ring a bell? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't realize how big it was. And also it wasn't fully open. I don't think. Yeah, it's it's limited on Sundays, I believe. The best time to go is sort of Thursday, Friday, I'd say. Um, yeah, I want to go to Borough Market and I want to go like through it more and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. You, you want to come here at Christmas because it is like Dickensian. Is it really? They have like hot cider and all oh this kind of stuff. Oh my gosh. It's, it's amazing. That is amazing. I did get to see a lot. I get to do a lot. I mean, I saw... A play there, and I went to the Tate Modern, and um, I went to the Old Globe yeah. replica place. I mean, kind of touristy stuff, but it was still so much fun. I, I that sometimes that's the best thing is when you when when you live in in a city and someone who hasn't been there before comes over, and you get to do the things that you don't get a chance to do living there. If that makes sense, right? And I totally agree. There are tons of places I still haven't gone to in London that I need to do at some point. I'm sure. I've been to the Globe. So, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, is is there anywhere? Well, I suppose uh, an extension of that is there anywhere in Los Angeles that you you probably won't go until until you've got a reason to show it to someone else, that, if that makes sense. I keep saying um, there's the Watts Tower, mm. um, which is a place that I, every now and then I'll see someone post on Instagram like we went to the Watts Tower, and I'm like I've lived here since 2000, and I, I moved here the end of 2001, and I still haven't been there. And then there's also a brand new museum that opened downtown that I'm dying to go to. It's called the Broad and it's all modern art. And actually 
I'm waiting on purpose to go because I heard the lines are really long. Yeah. And presumably, do they have sort of a um, a variation of different exhibitions and things? Yeah, I think they do. Um, it's somebody's private collection, but I think they rotate it around. Oh, okay. Nice. It's some, like, rich people's private collection. <laughs> I, they're the best kind, I find. Um, Which is like enorm- it's an enormous collection that they had to build a huge museum for. Yeah. <laughs> That I, that, I mean, there's a. It reminds me of. Apparently, there's a museum where it is literally just someone's collection of things that they they've collected over years and years in New York. That I've heard, you know, it just and it isn't necessarily art, but it's it's just stuff. But yeah, a lot of stuff. That sounds really good. I would go to that in New York too. Yeah, I well, if if we're also a place you got to check out in London, which I I still need to do at some point, um, is uh, Victor Wynne's cabinet of cabinet of curiosities. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, that sounds amazing. It's it's in Hackney, I think, and uh, it's got all. I mean, I, I don't, not to sound too graphic, but it has got sort of a complete variation. So it's got like those butterflies that you get framed, and then yeah, it's got like weird skulls and stuff like that. Sure. And then it's got, and this is where it gets a little bit crude. But for some reason, he has in a jar. Um, feces of amy winehouse apparently i have no idea what the story behind that is <laughs> it's a complete variation of things okay that and, is insane and also i feel like i don't even believe it it has got to, well that's the thing it's got to be seen to be believed um but i yeah that's it's what I've also heard. got to be trusted to be believed because who's going to call him out on that <laughs> Yeah, well, I suppose, yeah. I mean, unless you signed it or something, which would have been, you know, impossible at the time. <laughs> so weird. Uh, it's really odd. Um, there's some very strange... But I think that's... I mean, then he's got sort of pet hedgehogs who just sort of walk around the place, and it's a very... Oh, my gosh. Weird. And I haven't seen a hedgehog for about oh, 23 years, I think. Um, so it'd be nice to see another live one, um, or just an existing... I thought they'd, they're extinct, but I don't know. Yeah, I've never seen one, so... There you go. Uh, but one of the big cultural differences between uh, America and, uh, well, Los Angeles and London um, is, is the podcast, uh, getting sort of back to the podcasting, is is um, is podcasting. Um, we, you know, over in Los Angeles, it's an industry, and over here, it's still, we're still trying to figure out what it is. And um, I suppose, um, I mean, in, in your experience as a, as a voiceover artist, how do you feel about podcasting as a creative medium? Well, I think that podcasting as a creative medium is the best thing that could have happened to creative people because it evens the playing field in terms of being able to produce something on your own and put it out there for the entire world. I mean, it's a relatively inexpensive thing to to, to produce. I mean, you just need a computer and a microphone and internet connection and you know, you can put anything you want out there. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's probably the most revolutionary thing that could happen to like broadcast, you know, what are the, what, what would you say are the freedoms and sort of limitations that come from, from the medium of podcasting? I think the freedoms are that you can, uh, have a show for pretty cheaply out there and that it's, available to almost the entire world that has access to the internet. I think the limitations are you don't have a, if you're just a self producer, you don't really have a budget to um, market your show. (laughs) 
So it's possible you could be doing a quality material that no one can find, Mm. you know, because it is a, it's a busy and um, crowded medium. Yeah. Because it is easy to, to get involved with it, you know? So I think in that regard, the, the freedom is the sky's the limit. You can put whatever you want out there um, without someone else telling you what to do or what to say. And then the limitations are that maybe no one will ever hear it. <laughs> yeah, I, I as I'm building my my empire, I am finding uh, that's the next the next step is is advertising and getting the word out there. And and um, and I, I suppose um, there are certain parts of the world of podcasting that might be oversaturated and other other parts that are perhaps so niche that that they are yet to be explored i suppose and yeah that's a good point are, are there any particular um i mean because i was saying you're as a news fan um would you say that there are any particular genres of podcasting that are perhaps underrepresented well i don't know if they are underrepresented or if i just don't know about them but um this past year i got really in, um involved in listening to this podcast that is essentially it's a documentary style podcast um about hollywood history it's called you must remember this do you know that one i oh i've read about this yeah i well um i i'm gonna put that on my list of recommendations then because uh, i have been debating about checking that out yeah yeah it's called you must remember this and it's a documentary style um, podcast about Hollywood history, and they did a ten or twelve part can't remember episode series on the Manson murders, mm. and it was so well produced and fascinating. Um, I kind of, um, in addition to being a news junkie, I like true crime. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was really, um, I was really interested in serial. Did you listen to serial? I I did, and um, I was pleased to see that that kind of broke into uh, appearances in broadsheets like The Guardian um, in, in the UK promoting podcasting and, and using Serial. As a... Yeah, Serial, I guess, is the most popular podcast that's ever been made, um, I mm. think, or the most listened to or downloaded or something. But um, anyway, I thought um, just the whole like true crime nature of kind of solving a mystery and, you know, figuring out motives and stuff like that. Um, if there were more podcasts like that, I would definitely be downloading them all. I, there's one that I could recommend, but it is, it's one of those ones where it's, it's very entertaining, but also very informative. Um, and because it's a lot of heavy stuff, a heavy content, um, okay. it can be quite dark humored. Um, sure. <laughs> and um but when they when they when they're so well researched you kind of I mean they they kind of get into the details but it's called last podcast on the left. Okay. And I think I think the the best bet is to pick your episodes wisely, I would say. Um, Do they sort of tackle a different um case or something every time or Yeah, so I mean originally they started um it was just kind of a horror podcast and then okay. they realized there was much more interest in doing true crime. So they did they do the occasional thing that they like to call the heavy hitters and so they've done ones on particular uh criminals and things like that. And um yeah, it can be quite 
heavy <laughs> it's uh, okay but it's it's definitely worth i would say i'd say maybe check out the charlie manson like three-parter they did um okay i doubt that's gonna be my next one i'm totally going to do it now <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, as a complete, as a complete uh, warning, I'd, I will advise that uh, that the humour is is very, very dark, but um, and silly at some points. But but the research is very interesting when they get into the actual stories. Okay. Um, but um, I actually, I mean, well, I mean, the thing is, is that um, the other thing was I, I went to the Museum of Death. Uh, me and Jonathan were terrified of going there um, on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, how was it? It's it's a lot of negative energy in one space. It's a, interesting. Yeah, you you don't go don't go there on a on a full stomach. I would say. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, um, and they have a Manson room and things like this, and um, they have like a, a Jim Jones area and all these kind of things. And it's there's a lot of information um, to absorb, but there's also a lot of other things there to absorb. And it's, it can be, I had to kind of mentally skim a lot of it. Sure. Because it is sort of like being taken through like a haunted house where it's just one rather depressing subject. Right. Um, Interesting. I recommend it definitely because you remember it. You'll remember it like forever, but it's, it's, uh, it's, but you have to be mentally prepared. Yeah, I'd say I'd say like go in a group and um okay, and then have cocktails after. Yeah, ticky tea. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good idea. That's that's a day out. That's mu- museum of death and ticky tea. That's that's uh, that is a day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we we went to that and um, I, I sort of I was in there for about twenty minutes and I, I was just standing in the gift shop because Jonathan was reading everything and I was just like, oh, <laughs> I need to get like out of enough, this. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was all a little bit overwhelming, but uh, but I'm a wuss, so that's I mean that's the reason. But, <laughs> but they had also things like Liberace's stuffed cat, and um, okay, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, and Jane Mansfield's dog as well. Oh my god. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a very it it varies between kind of true crime and weird Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. Kitch. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, and <laughs> funnily enough, um, that that reminds me of uh, the best way of uh, describing where I was in Los Angeles. Um, the, the Nightcrawler building, as I call it, the um, oh the the KTLA building. The... Yes, yes, I know where. You, yes, I know exactly where that is. And yeah, we were right. We were right by there. Um, yeah, and I I didn't realize that it was uh, the building in Nightcrawler until after I came back, and I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I mean, in terms of true crime podcasts, there are there are definitely a few out there, um, and history history is is one that's definitely being explored a lot more. I've noticed. Um, I mean, are, are there any particular um, uh, comedy podcasts that you that you listen to? Um, let's see. I listen to well, my husband has a podcast called Spontaneous Nation, and I'll listen to that one, mm-hmm. um, which is an improv one. And then before that, he had one called um, the Pod F Tomcast, mm-hmm. and I listen to all of those episodes. Um, but as far as comedy podcasts, I don't really. I know there are like a lot of them yeah. out there. And but I don't really listen to any of them, but that doesn't mean that they're not like amazing ones out there. Sometimes I see some of them live, like live shows. Yeah, like um, the Doug Loves Movies or something. Mm, yeah, <laughs> there'll be like a live show that they end up sending out on a podcast. 
Is that at the the UCB they have that? Yeah, some yeah, it's mostly at the UCB, yeah. Yeah, we we were right by the Sunset one, but um we often went we, I think we went to the Franklin one a couple of times. Oh, and there's another podcast, the comedy podcast that I often see live mm-hmm. called um Rana and Beverly. And those are these two hilarious comedic actresses that interview people and as characters. Yeah. Um, and so I see that one live a lot. Okay. I, I mean, that's something I definitely noticed in Los Angeles. Um, there's such a, a fantastic access to live comedy. There is. Oh, my gosh. Any night of the week. Any night of the week you could see something. Yeah, and I that's that's another reason why I want to go out there and just stay out there. I mean, there's just more stuff to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every, every evening I can I can occupy either at Largo or UCB or uh, Hollywood Improv or exactly, exactly. And and tonight I'm actually going to Largo to see the Spontaneous Nation live show. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that will also be a podcast. Yes. Yeah. But I won't listen to it because I will have seen it. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, you, you got the full. The full. But I've already um, seen it. Yeah. <laughs> you got the full extra additional element. I already heard it with the audio and visual aid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think I I felt the same because uh, I, I went to uh, the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, well, do you, and also I see um, Super Ego Live a lot. Do you like that podcast? Oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, they're um, so good. Yeah. So those are the. I guess those are particular podcasts that are also live. So that's a weird little niche of comedy podcasts that I like. That have I'd prefer to see them in person. <laughs> and I- and I guess, um, I mean, obviously, with the exception of, say, the Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is uh, wonderfully scripted and, 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 and various other scripted shows, um, I guess, uh-huh. I mean, a hefty proportion, even the ones that are just conversations are, for the most part, improvised. That's true. Like, Comedy Bang Bang is an improvised show. Yeah. And and, and seeing those live, I suppose, is that there's the, there's more of a thrill. Um, in, yes. Yeah. It, I would definitely agree with that. And and as someone who I believe now I've I've done my stats my stats um, investigations and seventy two episodes of your own show, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Oh my gosh, there's that many. Yeah, <laughs> of Janie and Aaron does Hollywood. Um, yes, that's our own podcast that we have been on, unfortunately on hiatus for a year while Aaron is working a very time demanding job. Is this with the the one hundred? That's right. He writes for a television show called The Hundred on CW Network. That's that's what I'm saving to binge. I, I've heard nothing but good things, but it's one I'm going to in these cold winter nights. I'm going to. It is getting very good, um, very good write-ups and reviews. Yeah, it has sort of like um, a Hunger Games kind of. It's sort of like a supernatural Hunger Games kind of show. I I like that pitch. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, it has a lot of like good-looking young people on it. <laughs> that's the bit of the end of the pitch where they throw that in, and it's got to have lots of hot people in. Hot that's, people. <laughs> yeah. How would you pitch um, Janie and Aaron does Hollywood to someone who hadn't heard it? Oh um, well, I would pitch it as two best friends, one who is an actress in Hollywood and one who is a television writer in Hollywood, who have meandering conversations about the day-to-day life of living and working in the biz. And we have regular segments that we do where we have to, we, one is called like snap judgments and we say a thing and we have to judge it (laughs) Yeah. in a snap judgment moment. And 
you know, it's just, it's just very, it's a very silly conversational kind of entertainment, fluffy entertainment. Free, free form, freestyle conversation. Freestyle conversation. Okay. There's um, something I would like to compare it to, um, but it may not be the right comparison, but we have this morning show here called the today show. And in the last hour it's hosted by Kathy Lee Gifford and Hoda Kotb. And they are basically just like silly, like talking about anything. And I would say it's sort of like, uh, the Hoda and Kathy Lee hour on the today show. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Only that we are in Hollywood and talking about our lives in Hollywood. And presumably can be more candid. Um, uh, the 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 advantage of podcasting. Yes, that's true. We can. And um, and so um, if there was a an origin story, um, so how did you and Aaron meet, and how did the podcast evolve from that? Aaron and I met in 1996. Mm-hmm. I went to um, drama school in Dallas, Texas, um, to get my master's degree. I was there um, for three years on a scholarship. <laughs> Because uh, I was, because who would, in their right mind would pay for theater school? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, you, it, theater school is amazing. But um, he was, he had just graduated from the undergrad program the year uh, that I started the grad program, and he stayed behind in Dallas as a playwright in residence at a theater there called Kitchen Dog Theater. And um, we ended up working together and becoming friends for the fir- for the first two years I was there, and then the third year he moved to Los Angeles, and we stayed in touch. Mm-hmm. We were friends, and we were both dating people. And then um, I went through a horrible breakup in two thousand and one, and he went through a horrible breakup in two thousand and one, and he was living in Los Angeles, and I was living in New York, and. Um, he was like, you should move to LA because it's so much easier to live here. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) And then, um, because I was living in New York during the, um, nine 11, uh, terrorist attack, it was like very clear, like things are going to take a long time to recover. And I was not very established yet. I had only been in New York for two years and it just became a logistical necessity to move. Mm. So I moved about a block away from Aaron. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a car. I didn't have anything, (laughs) but he had been out here for a couple of years and then he had started dating his now wife. Mm. Um, that was his girlfriend at the time. And they were just like totally awesome to me and helped me like get back on my feet and stuff. And then when I got married in 2010, he officiated my wedding. And then when he got married in 2011, my husband officiated their wedding. Oh, well. But really, don't you think I should have officiated their wedding? Because I'm the common denominator. Would you, would you have wanted to? Well, I think so. I was never asked or consulted. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, I think I would have been like insanely over the moon to do it. Instead, I was a bridesmaid, which I mean, doesn't that sound like so sexist? Like I was asked to be a bridesmaid instead of officiating the wedding. I I don't know. I I'd say bridesmaids probably 
I mean, uh, with Brian, well, I suppose with the, I don't know, actually, that's a good, good point. I mean, what... but you know, I was like, I'm from the South. And so by the time I was a bridesmaid in Aaron's wedding to his wife, I think it was probably the 18th time I'd been a bridesmaid. Well, I mean, I, I suppose there must be some kind of material ranking uh, between the officiator, the bride, the groom, the bridesmaid. Like... I say the officiator is the most important one. Well, I don't know, but then you could say that if the bride and the groom don't turn up, he his status goes right down. <laughs> well, you're being very diplomatic. <laughs> well, you know, that's I've, I I haven't yet been to a wedding where uh, no one's turned up, um, but uh, that would be terrible. Yeah, it would just be an empty church. It'd just be like the equivalent of going to a church that's empty, really. Yeah. Um, it, there'd be no, there'd be no, uh, no fun in that. But then again, I mean, I, I, w- I went to a wedding um, last year, and I've known uh, the person. I can say this because I know they're not going to listen to any of my podcasts ever in the okay. future. We went, and I've known this person for years, and we're we've been friends for years. But I, it was only when we went after the wedding to the the after party. Um, I was going to say the wake. That's not right. Um, <laughs> the reception. The reception. Yeah. I think you just revealed a lot of your feelings about marriage by accident. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, um, you know. I'm, Are you married? Are you married? No. <laughs> um, very. Okay, you went to the reception. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just say um, probably the best way of answering that is a podcast that I will be hosting very soon, um, in all seriousness, is one called A Disheartening Podcast, which is all about um, the trials and tribulations of dating in the 21st century. Oh, I think you'll get lots of listeners for that. That, it's going to be fun. Um, we're trying to get in people to we're, we're trying to get guests uh, to talk about their experiences as well. So, yeah, it's we're we're, we're giving the off, offering the chance of anonymity if depending on what they want on to the re- story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so we went to the reception and the um, and I got the impression that she wanted me to kind of act that without any element of romance or anything like that, but wanted me to act as if we were dating for the benefit of her parents. Oh, really? <laughs> so, so wanted me to dance and all that. And it's like, well, look, I'm not drunk. <laughs> uh, I'm not, we're not dating. I have no incentive to dance right now. <laughs> um, it's like, they're the two rules. Um, but um, I'm, I'm not sure my status at a wedding is, is of any value, to be honest. I'm, I, I'm just a chaperone. I'm like a fake chaperone for... You're a, rent, you're a rent-a-date. Yeah. And, and I'm, a, I'm a rent-a-date that doesn't get paid. <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> and I get no romantic aspect out of it either. Um, the best I get maybe is to pocket some of the food at the end of the night, and you know have right. have breakfast in the morning. So that's free breakfast. But um, <laughs> and just uh, yeah, pocket all the um, all the things they pass around, all the salmon parcels and things like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd, although what I'd recommend if you ever go if you ever go to a wedding in um, in London, go to. Uh, Go to one in Richmond, or, go, or just generally go to Richmond. It's uh, lovely around there. That's that's where it was. Really? Mm. Yeah. Okay, I will. I I really do want to get back. Um, one of my really good childhood friends lives in London, and is raising her family. She married a Brit, and they have three little girls, and so they're raising their girls in London. Oh, okay. And she said I could stay with them anytime. <laughs> There you go. Well, I mean, yeah, I'd, there's there's so many places to check out, and um, if you uh, if you're able to make it between now and I believe March, uh, they've got the Crime Museum open for a limited time with all the Jack the Ripper things and things like that. Oh yeah, and you can do a Jack the Ripper tour too. White, but I didn't I didn't get to do that. That was one of the things I wanted to do. 
I, yeah, there's um, there's a book uh, I'd strongly recommend uh, purchasing um, by Bruce Robinson, who by weird by, by the weird connection is um, he's best known in the UK as the director of With Nail and I. Okay. But he's also written a fantastic uh, book about Jack the Ripper. What's the book? It is called. I'm going to find out now because I I it's one of those books which looks so great in person, and then I got it on Kindle, and I was like, why didn't I just buy the solid the solid book? Oh really? Yeah, I, there's there's something to be said about having like a solid book rather. I than, agree, but I love my Kindle. I I've got kind of one of the cheap Kindles, so there's no there's no frill there's like so there's no frill you know frills right. <laughs> it's just words. But don't you love like going like traveling with just it weighs like nothing. I I have a bad back, but I'm I'm kind of proud that I do from carrying <laughs> carrying heavy tomes around. But the you could have like a hundred books in that little thing. I had like three hardbacks with me in my in my luggage into when I went to Los Angeles. Oh God! Um, but oh, uh, they all love Jack busting the Ripper by Bruce Robinson. Okay. It's uh, it came out. I'm reading it. Yeah, it. That's it, my, they all love Jack. Um writing it down right now he's quite um he writes quite vitriolic uh, in a quite a vitriolic manner which but that kind of keeps you that kind of keeps you involved <laughs> definitely and and it's so well researched as well and you almost uh come out of it what i've read so far and what other people have told me um when he gets to the point of identifying who it potentially was it's 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 far more convincing than well patricia cornwell cutting up a a, a Walter Sickert painting and justifying it by saying, "Oh no, he was probably Jack the Ripper," <laughs> right? Which is what she did. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm not convinced of her um, her theory. You weren't into you weren't into her theory. Well, I, I thought I thought it's like it's like the equivalent of someone buying like a like um, so a, a piece of classic artwork and ripping it up and going, "Yeah, well, you know, it's got some fingerprints on it." <laughs> it's just yeah, it, it slightly annoyed me that um, that it was kind of just destroying. It's destroying like sort of art, um, classic art for uh, on a on a hunch. I think that's sort of slightly, right. slightly, slightly a little annoyed. gimmick gimmicky. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it just didn't it didn't stick. But I mean, uh, as a side note, are there any um, since we're on the uh, on the topic? When will we do a true crime podcast? We'll have to I have to call, give you a call and um, yeah, that would be amazing. Is, is there any particular? Um, you mentioned the Mansons, but is 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 that your? I don't want to say favorite. That doesn't sound right. But is there any particular? <laughs> what, what's your What's your favorite? Crime? What's my favorite crime? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is Is there a particular true? I, I suppose the best way of wording it is that is there a particular true crime case that you find the most fascinating? Well, I just reread um, the Ted Bundy, a book about Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. and I just think that one is so crazy because. Like people who knew him had no clue that he was this like vicious murderer, mm. and I don't know that was crazy. But there's an there's an unsolved crime that I'm I kind of wish like Serial like that was their next um, series. They announced Serial is doing us a, a season two, mm. and they have already announced the case they're going to tackle. But um, I was like, uh, there's this crime. That happened um, when I was in college. It was the John Benet Ramsey murder of the little girl who was the beauty queen. Yes, yeah. And they never ever found out who did it. They cover that in the last podcast on the left. Uh, they do. Yeah, I think it's like a three, two, three parter. Well, then I'm adding that. 
<laughs> yeah, I I read somewhere that there's a chance that might be the second or third season of American Crime Story when it gets round to it. Oh, really? Because I know that they're doing O.J. Simpson. Oh, I know. <laughs> I actually auditioned for one of the jurors. I really wanted the part, too, even though it was a very unexciting part. It was literally only, like, two scenes. <laughs> oh, just to be a part of it, though. Yeah. To be a part of it would have been so awesome. I was so, like, I wanted to be... I wanted to be in it so badly, but then I didn't get the part, which was totally fine. It wasn't going to be like a career make or break anything, but I've already seen, like they've been posting pictures on Twitter of Sarah Paulson as Marsha, Marsha Clark, the prosecutor. Mm -hmm. And, um, Selma Blair is playing, um, the Kardashian lady. What's her name? Um, The mom. Kardashian, Mama yes. Kardashian. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone looks so awesome. Like they're in like serious, like mini series makeup where they're trying to like make the person look exactly like the person. I I actually kind of think John Travolta is going to be pretty good in it. Now, wait, who is he playing again? He's playing Papa Kardashian, I think. He is? The lawyer? Uh, yeah, yeah. Shapiro. The lawyer friend. The lawyer friend. Yeah, Kardashian. yeah. Kardashian. Papa Kardashian. Or, or Sh- oh, is it? Um, right. There's David Schwimmer's in it, and he's playing one or the other. It's David Schwimmer, and it's um, John Travolta. And I th- John Travolta, I'm, he might be playing Robert Shapiro, possibly. Okay, well, I mean, I think it's, I, this is, like, so up my alley, like, this miniseries. Mm. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> it. It does look. Um, I'm I'm very intrigued. To, this so this episode is coming out uh, in January 2016. So um, so will it have already aired? It might. When have are just, they showing? It might have just started. Yeah. Um, oh, it did. Okay, good. Um, it, or, or, or very soon. Yeah. I have so much to read, so much to listen to, and now so much to watch. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I um, you know, we we aim to please here at Podpit, you know. I'm going to read The Yellow Jack. I'm going to listen to To the Left, what's slightly to the left. Last podcast uh, on the left. Last podcast on the left. And now I'm going to, I have I get to watch the American Crime miniseries. And I believe. It's going to be a good Christmas. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, quite a grisly Christmas, actually. I feel, I feel like I've, I've just delved into kind of morbid, morbid directions. I, I bet you were not expecting that. You were going to ask me about comedy, and I'm all like, what about murder? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes they intertwine. So, <laughs> comedy and murder. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose also, uh, because I, I think actually, as a side note, the, the, I think the official sort of two and a half minute trailer of American Crime Story came out a couple of days ago. So, I think it might be ready to check out online. Okay, good. Yeah. And you get a glimpse of everyone and like David. Do you guys get all that stuff in in you do you guys get the same TV at the same time that we get it? The um it's it's the gap starting to close much more than it used to. Um Because I know I really like this show on Amazon called Catastrophe. Mhm. It's a romantic comedy. With what? Rob Delaney, he's a comedian, and then Sharon Horgan, who's a British comedic actress. Oh, okay. And you've you've ac- you've you've got it already, or are you looking for it? No, I got it already, but it already pre- the second season has premiered in England, but not in America. Oh, okay. Well, that's something we might have to talk about off air. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, but yeah, I suppose uh, I really had two two more questions. Um, okay. So the first one is um, a two part question uh what are your influences uh because you've worked in in sort of both 
in both sides, like in drama and comedy. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are your influences comedically and dramatically? I like um, what I call, I don't know what the right term is, things that are grounded in reality, like psycho-emotional realism. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I like that show I mentioned catastrophe because it's a comedy, but it has like an element of reality to it. Yeah. And so, um, that's the kind of world that I prefer if I had a choice. Sometimes when you're an actor, you don't have a choice, but that's the kind of world that I would prefer to work in, um, tonally, Mm. uh, would be (laughs) things that are reflective. Um, I, that's not to say I don't find uh, enjoyment watching things that are silly or broad, but that's not where where my personal skill set comes from. Yeah. So I'm a lot more attracted to stuff like that. Um, I like actors who can do both and straddle both um, effortlessly. Um, I admire um, John Hamm. I think he's a great example of that. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. He's so like he was dramatic work in Mad Men is obviously won him an Emmy, but he's hysterical on Saturday Night Live, and yes. I feel that way about Brian Cranston too. I mean, he was just so incredible as a comedic performer yeah. in Malcolm in the Middle. That wasn't like one of my favorite comedy shows, but I know that his work was so strong. And then, then he turns around and does like Breaking Bad, you know, mm. which is completely different. But I think that. It's the kind of thing where if you have a strong sense of emotional connection to what you're doing, that um, you can straddle the comedy and the drama of a situation um, believably. And I suppose before I go to the last question, I, I, sh- I should also add uh, if you ha- another one for your list, uh, Black Mirror. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I watched Black Mirror. Have you seen the one with John Hamm? No, we don't have the season two yet, or do we? And I don't know about it. Um, I believe it should be coming to the US Netflix very soon, if it isn't already. But the Christmas special, the one-off is... I've read about it. I've heard it was amazing. Yeah. Okay, because right now I think we're caught up on all the ones that we get just through Netflix. And they're going to do 12 more in the new year exclusively for for Netflix. Okay, I think Black Mirror is pretty phenomenal. I really enjoyed that series. Yeah. And I normally don't like stuff that is unreality, non-reality. Mm. But I feel like that like if I'm going to watch something that lives in a world that's not reality, that when it's presented with so much realism, it's I can grab onto it. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a lot to there's a lot to sort of uh, play around with in that as well because each one's its own thing. Uh, I agree. And I, I know you've got, I know you've got to rush off. So I'm gonna, ask, I'm gonna end with, with what, with, uh, with a, I suppose a cliffhanger question, really. Oh, um, fun! <laughs> but will Janie and Aaron does Hollywood return? We have been talking about it. Um, I, w- I'm gonna answer that question. Yes, for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't give you a firm date on when. Um, we've been talking about it, and he's pretty much working up until the beginning of 2016. But then when he's when he's done with his writer's room, I suspect then we can get back to the recording of it. Excellent. And then we'll have like a lot to talk about because we haven't done it in a year. Yeah. So there'll be more, more to more to talk about. Yeah. 
Sure. That's one. Of, oh wait, earlier you asked me some of the freedoms and the limitations of podcasts. Yeah. Some of, I feel like the, one of the limitations is that you are on your own schedule. Yeah. And so if you're like hired by a company to do something and you're getting paid for it, you're definitely going to show up and do it. But if you're doing it just out of like your own passion, you're not getting paid for it. Then you have to do other things. Other things take precedence, you know? Yeah. So that is one of the limitations is not having a schedule. Well, I, I, I'm, uh, Jenny, I'd like to thank you very much for, for, you know, I know that there was, you've been very busy as well. So, uh, I mean, thank you very much for, uh, coming as a guest on to pop pit. George, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy talking to you. You're so fun to talk to. And I've written down three things I'm already going to check out because of you. Oh, thanks. Likewise. And we only talked for a short time. I'm like, it was awesome. Well, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, as I say, you're always welcome as a guest on any of our uh, of any of our shows on Podnose. Well, thank you so much. I will uh, look forward to returning sometime soon in the future, and I hope you have a happy holiday. Yeah, I hope you have a fantastic uh, Christmas and a, and a happy New Year, and uh, I'll be in touch with you on email with some more recommendations for you in the future. That's great. Thank you, George. Take care. You too. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. A huge thanks to Janie for joining me on this episode of PodPit. You can follow Janie on Twitter via the handle at Janie Haddad. You can also check out JanieHaddadTompkins.com and listen to all of the Janie and Aaron Does Hollywood episodes so far at JanieAndAaron.Buzzsprout.com. And if you fancy helping out the show, you can subscribe to PodPit on iTunes, where you can also leave us a nice review and rating if you like. Aside from our usual programming, we will also be recording occasional episodes in which myself and fellow hosts from the Podnose Network and beyond will be answering your questions about podcasting. So, if you have any questions about any aspect of the podcast world, from technical specifications to show format to where to start as a podcaster or a podcast listener, get in touch via admin at podnose.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks for another episode of PodBit, the podcast about podcasts. Bye for now. You've been listening to an episode of PodPit, the podcast about podcasts, hosted and produced by George Grimwood, edited by Martin Fenton. PodPit is part of the Podnose Podcast Network. You can visit us online at www.podnose.com and you can get in touch via admin at podnose.com. Podnose.